Right. Well. <laughs> um, hello and, and welcome to uh, to the Go 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 Joe podcast. How many goes? Three. Okay. Three goes. Go 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 Joe. Go Go it's Go easy Joe. If you do it quick. Though. Go 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 Joe. Um, How far can we sing in before we get sued? <laughs> Let's find out. I know it through the, the Anchor.fm app, we can use anything on Spotify. So All right. I think fair use is okay. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast in which we um, review, react, dig deep, analyze um, every scene of the 1999 film adaptation of the Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh, Tim Rice masterpiece, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Starring all your favorites like Donny Osmond, Richard Attenborough, and Joan Collins. <laughs> Classics. Um, now you may be asking yourselves, why? We're asking ourselves that too. All the time. Um, okay, I think we should introduce ourselves. Yeah. Um, my name is Avital. Um, I'm Israeli, was born here, uh, half British, lived in America, hence the accent. And I was introduced to this show at I think the age of four or five. Um, I'm also, just to you know, brush off my credentials, I am a musical theater person. I dream of being a musical theater performer. Um, and like I've studied music and stuff, so I have a bit of expertise in that. And also, um, I, this has been a hyperfixation of mine for the past like six months. I can't stop thinking about it. And, 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 and this is my friend who I forced to do this with me. Hi, I'm Abigail. Um, I'm originally from the UK. I now live in Israel as well. And um, I first saw this when I was about seven. I wasn't shown it by the side of my family who were actually involved in the theatre. No, I was shown it by my grandparents who found the VCR. They bought it as a double pack, I think, with cats. <laughs> the musical, that one. Um, I think we did the And then that's all we watched when we went to their house, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> A rich history. Um, so, yeah, this has been an integral part of, I would say, both of our childhoods. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just the film for me um, because it took up a lot of my Jewish education, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, for me, it was just we loved the songs. Um, and so we would do our, our this prayer to the tunes of Joseph once a year. We would have like a special. <laughs> and like I went to see it when it was on here in Tel Aviv in Habima with um, Yuda Levi and Miri Masika. Like this, this lives in my head rent free. Um, and like re-experiencing it as an adult made me realize so many things about myself and why I am the way I am. <laughs> okay, so to, to round off the intro, uh, every week we will look at one scene, one scene from the 99 
film version. And Because it's sung through, it's basically one song. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, describe the visuals as best we can in an audio, in an audio uh, medium. Describe, uh, talk about it holistically. Talk about the, 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 the renditions of the songs leading up from this point from 1969 till 1999, the 30-year journey that some of these songs have been through. And uh, basically just lose our mind <laughs> for like an hour. Okay, we're acknowledging that we're losing our mind. Oh, I, did, I came in the door with that one. Okay. Um, and this is, this is just our introductory episode. We will be talking about the origins of the play, um, how it came... Psychosexually analyzing both Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> and Tim Rice. Oh, this podcast is full Andrew Lloyd Webber slander. If you like his music slash think he's a good person, I don't think this is for you. Um, and trying to figure out just why this became one of the most successful musicals of all time. Yeah. Because why? <laughs> oh. <laughs> How do we even explain? How did this? Okay, so Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice were buddies as like teenagers. They were like 17 and 19 respectively when they wrote their first musical, which didn't go anywhere. A few years later, um... Lord Andy's uh, friend, Alan Doggett, commissioned the show for, uh, for the school that he was the headmaster of um, for, uh, for the, the Colet Court School. Um, Alan Doggett specifically wanted a uh, pop cantata along the lines of <laughs> Herbert Chappelle's The Daniel Jazz. And Michael Hurd's Jonah Man Jazz. Please go look these up, seriously, on YouTube. Being performed by poor children in school because their school doesn't let them perform Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know. They're so funny. They're so funny. I'm fully fluent in English and in these stories and I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> I don't know the words. It's, oh my goodness. Uh, something something that was going on at the time because these were in this was in church of england schools so the church of england was interested in getting down with the youth in the <gasps> 60s as people became less religious and so we see how well that turned out <laughs> <laughs> so yeah lots of people used to write little pop style songs and mus little musical things for the kids to engage with I'll, the accept, Bible. I'll accept that this was pop at the time. This is a no way jazz. <laughs> calling yes. calling yes. these jazz is slander. And she, like, they should, the, the genre of, ja of jazz, the genre of jazz should <laughs> sue. Oh, God. Okay, so it was first presented at uh, the Old Assembly Hall of Coley Court in Hammersmith. On the 1st of March, uh, 1968. It was 15 minutes long. <laughs> there was no record of it. Uh, unfortunately. I unfortunately. I would kill to see what it was in its original form. Because the second performance was already longer. And here's, here's your little hint as to why it became successful. <laughs> Nepotism. <laughs> because Lord Andy's daddy <laughs> organized for it to be... Uh, put on in his local church in um, Central Hall, Westminster. And this was his local church. It was just a little just, one. Just small, just, you know, the local, around the bend. Um, and this was 
to in the 12th of May 1968 and it was already you know added added a few more things to boosted it to 20 minutes <laughs> at this performance <laughs> was a reviewer for the Sunday Times called Derek Joel <laughs> and he wrote a piece about it. Would you like to hear an extract? <laughs> of course I do. All right. This is something he wrote about it in the Sunday Times. The Quicksilver Vitality of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, the new pop-up oratorio, I can't, <laughs> heard at Central Hall Westminster last Sunday is attractive indeed. <laughs> On this evidence, the pop idiom beat rhythms and <laughs> melodies is most enjoyably capable of being used in extended form. Throughout its 20 minute duration, it bristles with wonderfully singable tunes. Fair. It entertains, it communicates instantly, as all pop, good pop should, and it is a considerable piece of barrier breaking by its creators, two men in their early 20s. Tim Rice, the lyricist, and Andrew Lloyd Webber, who wrote the music. The performers last Sunday were the choir, school, and orchestra of Collett College. Collett Court, the St. Paul's Junior School with three solo singers and a pop group called The Mixed Bag. <laughs> it was an adventurous experiment for a school, yet Alan Doggett, who conducted, produced a crisp, exciting and undraggy performance which emphasized the rich expansiveness of pop, rather than the limitations of its frontiers. Undragginess. I'm just, any school play I was in when I was a child, if someone had written it up in <laughs> even the local paper in that way, this is, this is privilege. <laughs> My God, you want to talk privilege? <laughs> they then performed an extended version six months later in St. Paul's Cathedral. <laughs> and this had fucking Tim Rice <laughs> playing Pharaoh himself. Because he wanted to. He just wanted to. That's the reason why the song about Pharaoh is this Elvis Presley thing. Because Tim Rice wanted to Play Elvis? Wanted to be Elvis? Because Elvis was still alive. Yeah, Elvis was fat and <laughs> slobby. He wasn't like in the later productions where he's like all trim and young. And he's he's basically just like a a a, a hint of a of a of a of an Elvis. It's it's an homage, but it's not like a copy. It's not drag. <laughs> like Happy Father's not draggy. When you have fucking Tim <laughs> Rice in Elvis drag. <laughs> Oh, God. So, after the roaring success <laughs> of this, um, they made an album. Yes, they did. A concept album in 1969. Which they also did with other of his fam their famous musicals. Yeah, they, they, they did this. Andrew Lloyd Webber loves him, a concept album, to yeah. like test the waters before... He actually released, he did the same thing with Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know, but I think definitely a beta. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely the early one. All the things he did with Tim Rice yeah. had concept albums. But what is insane about because this Because Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to be like, I don't know, The Who? 
And Julian Weber wanted to be anybody but himself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> What's insane about this one, it remained in the U.S. charts for three months. Three months! And David Daltrey, a frontman of the, and I quote, British psychedelic band Tales of Justine. Uh, okay. <laughs> he plays Joseph and lead guitar. Angela Weber's dad is playing the organ on the album. <laughs> and Tim Rice is fucking thorough. I can't. Anyway, so then they released it. Um, sorry, it was recorded in 69 and it was released in the US in 71. And what's interesting is that this was after the success of Jesus Christ Superstar. So even though technically, timeline-wise, it's like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, right? The Hobbit was written before, yeah. but then like after Lord of the Rings was such a success, then like The Hobbit was pushed as a prequel. Same thing here. Yeah, the tones don't match in Not, the same way. No. Wholly different properties written for different reasons. <laughs> like, honestly, tone-wise... Jesus Christ Superstar, as silly as it is, is a whole different beast to Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, God. All right. So then. Oh, boy. 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 1972. Uh, again, after the success of Jesus Christ Superstar and um, Lord Andrew Wood Webber and Tim Rice wanting more money. They're like, hey, you know, we can push this to, to be a success yeah, yeah. on the West End, like we did Jesus Christ Superstar. None of our other things we've tried to write have worked. Except so. for Jesus Christ Superstar. So yeah. let's just dig this one out of the boy dim and, uh, yeah. and see. And so... <laughs> yeah, the Bible is clearly cool. Yeah. Very in right Yeah, they've now. done something medieval style, but that didn't uh, work. Like King Richard or something. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my uncle was at the school that, like, they tested that. A musical uh -huh. on, so I remember him bragging to me about it and me being like, I don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber, this isn't cool. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Little Richard or something. Anyway, so then, and dear listener, whomstever you are, <laughs> please look up the 1972 television broadcast. We had the pleasure of finding it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it's thing of beauty <laughs> it is it is 37 minutes long all of the men in this show even though they all are different body types short tall skinny fat they all look the same they could all be the same man copy pasted in different fonts and i could not tell you otherwise they all have the same like shaggy 70s haircut that made every 20 something year old british man look like he was in his 40s yeah Including Gary Bond as Joseph. Gary Bond, um, <laughs> a notorious homosexual. Yeah, at the time he was actually out in a way that no one really was. Especially not in the UK. And supposedly he hooked up with Ian McClellan back in the day. So good for him. So Joseph fucked Gandalf. Pretty much. <laughs> and this, again, I'm not even going to start trying to describe it because it is... Just look it up, Just please. Look it up, please. And, and the version that we found was specifically funny for us or for me because it was the one that was broadcast in Israel in like the 90s. And so the subtitles were the translation by Ehud Manor into Hebrew. 
which I had seen the version translated to Hebrew years later. So seeing this like old 70s thing with these old 90s like habchinuchit font, which like if any Israelis are listening, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, it is the sheepskins. Potiphar burst through the door. <laughs> Mrs. Potiphar's lovely dress. Oh. And then the little dance they do and the Potiphar song. And the ascot. <laughs> oh, and the butler and the baker's little dance in prison. Oh, go, 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 Joseph oh. is a truly, truly a delight. So it gives you a flavour of how it really started. And, and this was used as a way to market it as yeah. like a serious thing. Like, oh, this isn't a kid's thing anymore, even though there's a children's <laughs> choir in the whole thing. Um, and then it was picked up and it was on the West End. Um, I think they took it to the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, right, Edinburgh Festival first, and then it was a few other places, but yeah. Yeah, but it's very interesting if you are indeed um, a Joseph fan, unlike his brothers, <laughs> um, to see how it started musically. Now, part of our process here um, is listening to every cast album that has been released leading up to the 99 movie because there is some fascinating changes that they made. For example, the fact that it was written for an all-boys school makes a lot of sense when you see that there are no female characters. Yeah. So the narrator was originally a man, which I mention because when they did decide to give the part to a woman, they didn't change any of the keys of the songs so every singer who had to sing it, all of these iconic women had to squelt at the top of their ranges up the octave because Andrew Lloyd Webber hates women. <laughs> he hates women and he will not write in a way in which they can sing comfortably because he hates women. <laughs> so I think the original female narrator was with the... Broadway. I think it was the Broadway one. Uh, I don't remember her name, but Laurie Beecham. And she tried to do something different. They tried to do something different with it. She sounded great, but she is like at the very top of her range, yeah. belting the whole <laughs> time. Like, that is not sustainable. That is not fair. But because she was trying so hard and sounded great, I guess they just left it that way. Or Andrew Lloyd Webber just doesn't know how to write for female voices. Also, also true. As somebody who is performed in an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Evita, he does not know how to write for female voices <laughs> because he what? Hates <laughs> women. <laughs> okay, so here we have some fun facts. It never won a Tony. It was nominated for many. It was nominated for many and it won none. <laughs> but um, a thing about the musical is because it was written for a school it means it's been performed in almost 20,000 or like amateur dramatic productions um, and apparently it shows up in in school plays um, across the world um, so many poor <laughs> girls who don't get to do anything. Yeah, I'm assuming that you get a lot of brothers who are actually sisters. Yeah, or and then Josephinas. Oh, you know, also, but you know, um, my aunt, because my um, my dad and my aunt went to see it with their uncle Roger, who worked in theatre, 
in the original run. Um, and they performed the play at school at a similar time. And my aunt has very fond memories of playing the Palace Maiden. Ooh. So yeah, lots lots of roles for women, don't worry. I do hope they were dressed. I mean, it was the 70s, I don't know. It honestly could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, you had the 1999 film version, which was also released in 2001 as a sing-along version. Perfect. Um, which means that it's been shown in... Uh, um, in cinemas as well, all over the UK at least. If I ever went to those, I think I would need to be escorted out. <laughs> I imagine there's some badly behaved people at these. Oh, but it's fine. <laughs> but it's like for kids. But then again, no, no, no. The uh, tagline, the description is it's it's a family it's a show. <laughs> perform but it's a family show the version i saw most at the theater because yeah it was on a lot in the uk growing up and it was normally quite cheap for kids um was probably the lee mead version um who lee mead won one of andrew lloyd webber's cash grab TV competitions where he got people to pretend they were auditioning to play a lead role. Andrew Lloyd Webber saw American Idol. He saw The Search for Elle Woods and said, I'm going to do that now forever. For all of my shows, I'm going to do a reality competition Until show. Until they kick me off television. Until yeah. they kick me off television for finding the leads for my new shows, which... Listen, I'm no expert on reality television. I'm definitely not an expert on British reality television. I know that it's a lot more trash than it is in the US, but really? <laughs> Did people care that much about who was going to fucking play Joseph or Jesus? I mean, people clearly watched it. I, I, I want to see numbers. I want to see numbers. We for... don't have a lot going on in the UK, okay? Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, God, are we, are we, okay. So, as part of, as p another part of our research, because we went way too hardcore into this, um, what book are you, are you looking at right now? Um, it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber biography, um, by John Snelson. Uh, it's called Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's not his autobiography no that's another beast that we we have yet to been able to tackle because <laughs> um, neither of us have audible <laughs> and it's it's a lot of fun it's not too kowtowy it's not too uh ass licky um, i would hope not otherwise why in the world are we looking at it yeah um, but there's some really fun fun quotes that i found from from it um one of my favorites was something Tim Rice had to say. Oh, please. <laughs> um, about Andrew Lloyd Webber's borrowing of classic tunes. I yeah. used to say. <laughs> uh, here we go. I never questioned why Andrew relied so heavily on the classics for quite a few of his tunes at the time. But there had been plenty of original efforts too, and it would be a brave, popular composer who could put his hand on his royalty statements and claimed he had never borrowed from the deceased. In fact, it is annoying 
that it is virtually impossible for lyricists to do the same. Nice shade, Tim Rice. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, one of the reasons I just grew to hate Andrew Lloyd Webber, and it's like, as a kid, he's an evil capitalist conservative. Sure, but there's so many like that. (laughs) What specifically, like, and this is, I was being as somebody who grew up both on Joseph and on Cats, and I was in Evita, and I genuinely thought this is good, good music, good musical theater, good top tier, (laughs) very good. Cats, good musical, what do you mean? (laughs) And it wasn't until I grew up and learned music, and also learned what a shitty, shitty, shitty human he is, but he copies himself (laughs) so much. Like, I remember first time listening to um, Cats and getting to Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. That's the same thing as It's the same. And and like also in Evita, I can't recall it right now, but there's a part in Evita that's also very similar to Joseph. Like it's their first musical. And they just borrowed so much from it. And I and I'm like and all of his music sounds the same. And for the longest time, when I learned as a kid that Joseph was originally written for a school play, I naively assumed that all of the fun genre pieces were what yeah. were was written for the play. That like, oh, let's have a little western bit and your calypso, calypso, your little uh, rock and roll in Egypt, your. Uh, your French, your French. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. I assumed it's like, oh, let's have, let's let the kiddos, you know, taste all these different kinds of uh, musical genres. No, it's all the stuff that I thought was just connective tissue. Wait, wait, wait. The Pharaoh bit was original. I still can't believe that. That's because Tim Rice, say it with me, has an Elvis king. He has. He wants to either. Fuck Elvis or be Elvis or both. We don't know, but it was in the original. And, oh god. And like the fact that Potiphar was written after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Potiphar was in the second time. But this fucking weird Elvis like random drag. Because <laughs> most of the rest of the songs at the beginning were basically the same song. Yeah, it's all the same song. And what I find both fascinating and admirable about the 99 version mm-hmm. is how they were able to take every song and make it sound different. Yeah. Just by the arrangement and the changing of like the, the phrasings and stuff where like Joseph's dreams and then like them trying to, the attempted murder, I don't remember what the track is called, but the attempted <laughs> murder, those could like, those lead right into each other and have the same beat, the same feel, no difference. Whereas in the movie, they were able to give it some groove, some personality. It's like, honestly, after listening to all these different versions, I have so much more admiration for the 99 version, which I never thought was going to be the case because it is buck wild. (laughs) I think another thing that will be interesting to discuss as um, Jews is seeing the interpretation of old testament stories yeah because for me growing up 
you said you used to do it for Friday nights, mm-hmm. um, for night, Friday night prayers. We um, would uh, we would have it in our uh, Jewish youth groups. We would do it at school, and we would make it a little bit more Jewish. Um, we would sing it at, at youth camp. Yeah. It was it was uh, an easy way for us to go. Oh, Joseph, Torah. That's Jewish, right? Yay! <laughs> it's like proto Prince of Egypt, only mm-hmm. not on purpose, <laughs> only without any of the you know intense research and cultural like appreciation and scholarly work. It's definitely just a straight through read of the King James Bible, essentially, which as is, far as I understand. It's so interesting to me how, first of all, like. Again, as somebody who grew up in Israel without Christianity, really, up until a much later age, I didn't know that, like, the Christian Bible, like, that we technically have the same Bible. Like, I thought they have the Holy Bible, you know, the book that they're carrying around. With Jesus in. With Jesus Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, that's it. And then, like, we have the Tanakh, and those are different things. And only later did I realize, oh, no, they actually stole it. Um, and then they made Daniel Jazz, Jonah Jazzman. <laughs> please look this up on YouTube, please. I'm not trying to like be insensitive to Christians or anything. It's literally just like very interesting for me because I always assumed that the whole point of Christianity was to ditch the Old Testament <laughs> and do their own thing. Yeah. So then seeing Christians, specifically also like, the Church of England? Yeah. Again, like I said, they were trying to make the church cool again. <laughs> like, do an old... Like, Jesus Christ Superstar, I get it. I understand. It makes sense. There's a reason it became successful before. I also think it is... And, you know, don't don't kill me for this. I do think it's Angela Weber's best work. Musically, thematically, I think it works. As silly as it is, I think it really works if you have people who deliver it well. Possibly the most subversive of works from such a conservative man. And the most, like, genuine. still. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. I mean, Mary Magdalene was still a whore, even though she wasn't. Um, Still go on about leave the poor alone. Don't think that was Jesus' main message. (laughs) I don't know. And, I mean, wrong. my favorite thing is finding productions in which they take the subtext between Jesus and Judas and just make it text. Yeah. There's like a great, I think it's like Icelandic version that I see. Yeah, again, this is people doing something with the work Andrew Lloyd Webber's put in and going, oh, actually, no, we can make this good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Jews have reappropriated Joseph. Yeah, it's ours now. It's ours. Uh, you can't have it back. We do yeah. it better. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's okay because the film is perfect. I mean, 100% it started as upper class white British men. Yes. And the boys who would one day become upper, upper class, class white, white British, British men. men. So, Which, again, then makes the use of Eclipso suspect. Yeah. Because I don't know when they brought in an actual black Caribbean man to play in it. <laughs> I think it was the 90s. Probably, because <laughs> another thing that you must look up, and we will be discussing thoroughly, is the 82, like, mega mix that they did for, like, of the Broadway production. 
It's five minutes long. I performed it for America. Yep, it's it's a lot. Um, when we go in song by song, we will discuss like the specific like biblical implications of each scene and also how it evolved, like who sung what and which version because that actually matters. Yeah, like in the text, <laughs> it matters, and like in that it can either lessen the impact of the song or heighten the impact of the song. Like there's way too much nuance in this thing for what it is <laughs> like we give it so much more attention than it deserves yeah just don't let andrew lloyd Webber capitalize on this please oh god please don't sue us we're not making any money off it yeah no, okay no sorry andrew lloyd Webber hates women allegedly yeah. allegedly <laughs> andrew lloyd Webber hates poor people allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Actually, re read up on him and Sarah Bateman's relationship if you want. If you want proof, allegedly. Yeah, you can read about it in the Andrew Lloyd Webber book. It's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah. So then you come to the nineties <sighs> revival. That was a revival. It was a revival. Yeah, that's, that's what a revival um, is. And they decided to update it. <laughs> so they brought in people like Jason Donovan. To be the pop star voice of Joseph. Now, for those who weren't alive in the 90s, like me, 98, doesn't count. <laughs> um, Jason Donovan was a very, very popular Australian pop star. Yeah. He was, like, ridiculously famous. There's footage of him, like, being hounded at stage door night after night. In fact, the uh, 91 Mega Mix, which was... <laughs> Which you can also find online. It's Please. my favorite. It's... Oh, I have opinions. <laughs> Starts with him riding up on his bike to the stage door or whatever. I lo Look, he's so relatable and young. That wig. His wig. <laughs> yes, my favorite of the Joseph wigs. Mine will always be Donny Osmond just because <laughs> of how high his forehead is. <laughs> oh yeah, also... Glad the, the film version had a brunette. Joseph. Oh yes. Oh no. Yeah. Having a blonde Joseph, both in the eighty-two version and in the ninety-one version, it, it like it's confusing. Guys, like <laughs> at least at least if you have a blonde Jesus, like there's a reason for it because you know Jesus is based off of a painting of Andrew of not Andrew <laughs> 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 Leonardo da Vinci's gay lover, not Andrew Lloyd Webber's gay lover. Um, <laughs> but like with Joseph, no. Like, we'll accept the fact that he's played by a Mormon who is <laughs> pastier than my thighs. And has anti-sexual charisma with everybody. Every, like, Maria Friedman is trying so hard, but she has nothing to do, so she yeah. just turns and eye fucks the camera. Yeah. Um, you want to you want to call the police during the minute <laughs> he's being mauled by Potiphar's wife. Oh, yeah. Oh. Save this 40-year-old baby. <laughs> We will get to that scene. We will get to that scene. I have so many opinions. Um, so, yeah. So the 91 revival is really what the 99 film is most heavily based on, both yeah. in its orchestrations, but specifically in its costuming. Yeah. The costumes are ex lifted exactly from the 91 version, including the set of the Sphinx. It is just a filmed version of that, but done as a film. Yeah. And the film 
like the whole framing of a film is that you are you're seeing it as a school play, which it then breaks it's back to the origins. Yeah, and then although it, there are girls in the audience and black people. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And then it just fully breaks the rules of everything constantly, and I hate it. And as a child, I hated it. Oh, I kind of enjoyed it because it was like fun and silly to be on the stage, and it looked like my school uh, assembly room. So, and the school uniforms were very similar to mine. So, it felt like it was basically at my school. I was just impressed at the amount of dry ice they were able to pack behind oh, yeah. those doors. <laughs> And wanted to keep Donny Osmond away from these children. Um, Donny Osmond in his Luke Skywalker outfit. Which is, <laughs> which is also from the revival. Yes. Many things from the revival, even though it was eight years before. And in Broadway years, that is an eternity. But then again, in West End years, that's like nothing. Yeah. Um, so, and Donny Osmond had played Joseph for six years. Um, he was, was too old he when was he started. Far too old. There's this delightful snippet of him being interviewed in the behind the scenes, being like, you know, I was really intrigued by the depth of being able to play, you know, an 18-year-old at the beginning of the story and then a 40-year-old at the end. And I'm like, oh, babe. You're just playing a 40-year-old. You're just playing 40-year-old and you just seem really stupid. <laughs> like, really stupid. Um, yeah, it's a really, really stupid 40-year-old who's not got his shit together. No. <laughs> no. Um, something I do very much appreciate about the film, uh, as opposed to many of the productions, is the little little smidgings of uh, diversity that we have in the cast. Yeah. Just like sprinkles. We have three three black men. As the brothers. Count them. One, two, three. One, two, three. And we have one... <laughs> Count him one Jew playing a brother. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Yay. Um yeah, this 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 is like unsurprisingly a very, very like goy production. I mean very gentilic. Gentilic. I like production. It's more politically correct. <laughs> um which I understand, obviously, but it's still very funny to me. <laughs> like it's like I, I feel like we should demand that only Jews and Joseph. <laughs> like, um, unfortunately, it also is very important to lots of British school children. I mean, in professional productions. Okay. Okay. British school children. Only, yeah. Um, Anyone can be in a school production or whatever, but yeah. only Jews should be paid to be in. Exactly. Because we deserve it. This should be our reparations from Britain <laughs> for all of the bullshit. Um, I don't think Andrew Lloyd Webber will agree with us, unfortunately. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. Oh, I um I also wanted to mention my my inspirations for this podcast because uh, I want to give credit where it is due. Um, one of them is the Pod Leadum podcast, which is a America's Next Top Model recap podcast, um, and the To Be a Smash podcast, which is an episode by episode recap of the hit in quotations uh, NBC television show Smash. So those are the podcasts that inspired me to um, hold my friend hostage 
and <laughs> talk about this I'm, masterpiece. I'm just here for the fun. Uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Hi. Um, this is Avital, one of your hosts. And um, a few just full disclosures. When we started this podcast, we thought that we would record it week by week and release it week by week, like most podcasts. That's not what ended up happening. Um, we ended up just recording everything ahead of time and editing it and releasing it week by week. So what does that mean for you? Well, basically just everything is pre-recorded. So if you want to um, actually us... You can, it just won't have any effect on the episode. There won't be any corrections being made um, within the episodes themselves. Um, also, another thing that I thought that we were going to be able to do when we started was maintain a regular um, good social media. And no, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to maintain that. Absolutely not. I did make an Instagram. It's at go, 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 Joe pod. Joe is with an E. It's not going to be active. It's not going to like be posting anything, but you can DM us there if you want. If you if you do want to correct us uh, about something or just share with us any information you might have, that's where you can reach us or at my personal Instagram at avitalykagan. And uh, yeah, in the first episode or two, we don't really have the format quite down pat yet. Um, but around episode two or three, we really understand exactly how we want to run the show and we start making it a little bit more cohesive and make more sense. Um, so yeah, uh, welcome to this wild ride and I hope you enjoy.